0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Really good. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're still in the book of James in our series on James, and it's been so good, hasn't it? I love I love this series. I love what we've been talking about. In fact, I think it's up here, Real Life Wisdom for the Real Life Walk. That's what we, we said about this series, and that's really what James is. It helps us to walk out our faith, to walk out the things God's called us to do with real practical information. And today, uh, what we're going to be talking about is some really great practical information that will help you... To walk out in faith and and to accomplish what god's called you to accomplish and no matter how old you are how young you are i'm telling you this message is for you so get ready take some really good notes because today we're going to be talking about taming our tongue taming our tongue turn to the person beside you and say we're going to tame our tongue (laughs) and when i say taming your tongue we're going to talk about our words today your words are important now let me preface preface this message with this okay what I'm not saying today as we talk about words is that you can just do whatever you want to do and then use your words to kind of bail you out of stupid mistakes that you've made. That's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm also not, you know, just saying that you can just say anything you want to say and it's just going to come to pass. What we're going to be talking about today is the words that God has given us in his word that we can begin to declare over our life and, the, and what it begins to do in our life when we do it. Your words are important. God's given you an an incredible gift in the ability to speak words and to harmonize your voice with the voice of God through His Word. and So this is a powerful, powerful lesson for us today. So would you bow your heads with me, let's pray, and then let's jump into this. Lord, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to study your Word, to learn from your Word, to grow, and to move based on your Word. That's what we want to do today. We don't just want to be hearers, but we want to be doers. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today. I pray that you would take this word and you would make it uh, hit home for every individual. Lord, I I pray that you would use me in this moment, that this would not be about me, but this would be about you, that you would be the loudest voice in this room. And Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, please make us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. Proverbs 18, 21, before we get into James, look at this with me. It says this, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. you probably heard somebody say before, maybe in a movie, maybe sarcastically, hopefully not you know necessarily in real life because that would be kind of a scary situation, but somebody will say something along the lines of, it's a matter of life and death. You ever heard that before? We say that statement, that statement is said and it's a significant statement because death and life are a big deal, aren't they? Yeah. Death and life are a big deal. In fact, this, uh, this week, my daughter Sunny, she's getting ready to turn eight years old, and we're going to celebrate her birthday. We're going to celebrate life, that her life came into existence eight years ago. And so we're going to go uh, take her roller skating. It's going to be awesome. You guys remember roller skating? Roller skating, man. Roller skating was the jam back in the day. When I was a kid coming up, man, roller skating, you go out there, they got the music going, lights are going, you know, you're roller skating around, trying to look good, shooting the duck, you take a break, you go over and you sit down, you get some nachos that taste like sand, I don't know why they tasted like sand, but they did, and you just ate them, and you just put, you're putting out the vibe. It was, like, it was like speed dating for kids is what it was. And then, the, then there's that moment when couple skate happens. You guys remember couple skate? And you're kind of like, I think it's going to ha- Okay, I think you're kind of giving that girl the look, and then, okay, yeah. And so you skate around, you know, all awkward, <laughs> holding hands. And you get done, it was like, that was great, right? Because your hand gets so sweaty when you're a kid for some reason. Kids today, they don't get it. They don't get it. We were, we were, we were in Yukon trying to, to rent the skating rink for this little party. And we pull up in Yukon. a Friday night, roller skating rink is happening Like it was happening. And uh, my son Gus was like, why are all these people into roller skating? We were like, dude, you don't even know kids these days. They roller skate on their video games. We roller skated in real life. You got to get out there. You got to fall down, bruise some stuff, right? It's good for you. Go roller skating, kids. You heard it here. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, life. Life, life is a big deal. And so we're doing all this to celebrate the life of my eight-year-old because life, we get it, life, like life is important. Life is a big deal. And death is a big deal. When someone you care about passes away, we have a funeral and we mourn their loss. And and it's in seasons like this, like Thanksgiving, where we, we kind of remember the people who aren't here, especially if you've lost somebody in the past year, and then Thanksgiving, Christmas rolls around and they're not there you're reminded that that person isn't there and, and, and we can, it can hurt a little bit. Why? Because death is a big deal. Life and death are a big deal. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, so, so this verse tells us that those two things that we all agree on as being a big deal, it says death and life are in the power, or another way to say it would be they're under the control of the tongue. Now, when I say the tongue, I'm not talking about like it's not, it's not just speaking to your literal tongue, the muscle of the tongue. It's actually speaking to what the tongue helps you produce, which is your words. So it's saying that that death and life are under the control of the words that you are saying. It goes on to say this. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So so in other words, tomorrow you're going to be eating the fruit of the words you're saying today. So here's my question for you. When it comes to your words... Are you agreeing with life or are you agreeing with death? I think that's the question that's before us today. And James helps us to understand how significant this is. In James chapter 3, it's interesting, we we see the longest discourse in all of Scripture related to the words that we speak. And really, words and the importance of words is kind of a theme throughout all of the book of James. In fact, in every chapter of James, he talks about about the significance of your words. But here we have actually 12 verses devoted to the importance of the words that you say and how vital they are to your life. It says this in verse 1, James chapter 3, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. How many of you would agree with that? We stumble with stuff from time to time. There are things in life that can trip us up. We all face that. Now look at where it goes from here. If anyone does not stumble in, say this next word with me, word, say it like you mean it, word, if anyone does not stumble in their words and what they're saying, look at this, he is a perfect man, able to bridle or control the whole body. Now I think we would all agree that from time to time, our body can get us into some trouble. There are things that rise up in our body that are not always good. Some of you experience this this week with thanksgiving you eat that first plate of food and there's something inside of you that rises up and says even though you're full you should have a whole nother plate and so what do you do you go get if you're like me you go get a whole nother plate and you do it all over again and then you you find yourself going oh i'm so full i couldn't eat another bite and it's that moment that somebody goes anybody want some pie and you're like yep I'm stuffed, but I can make. I can find a way, right? And then we find ourselves laying in bed that night going, why did I do that to myself? And then the next day rolls around and we eat leftovers and we do it all over again and we do this for days. Why? Because there's something inside of us, like that overeating thing, that rises up. Listen, that's in your flesh. That's in your body. There's all sorts of stuff that rises up in your body. Anger can rise up in your body. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You get mad and you can feel it. It rises up in you. Anger rises up in you. Uh, Sexual desire, lust can rise up within our flesh. Fear can rise up within our flesh. Maybe some of you are struggling with some of these areas. Listen, James says here that if you can learn how to control the words that you say, he says you can bridle the whole body. You can bring under control Those things that are pushing you out of control. Words are a big deal. Words are a big deal. Verse 3 says this, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds. In other words, they go through different storms. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member. By comparison to the rest of your body, your tongue is is small, right? Right? But its significance in your life is very powerful. And so it's often overlooked. It says, it's a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire or a spark can kindle. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. All right, so I've got five points for you this morning four points that speak to some of the truths that I think we see here in these verses that James gives us about our words. And then one practical point for you at the very end. But if you're taking notes, here's my first point this morning. Your words are sneaky strong. Words are sneaky strong. You ever known anybody that's kind of sneaky strong? Like somebody that you may, you, you may not know it looking at them, but you get them in the gym, and all of a sudden they're like putting up crazy weight like I've known a few guys like this. they're skinny they're small, but for some reason, they got like this extra gear that they can hit of some strength, and you wouldn't you wouldn't think it looking at them, but man there's some power there That's what James is saying your words are. They may not always seem like they're that significant. They may not seem that powerful, but they really really are and to illustrate this he gives us these these uh these illustrations here he gives us these these um what's the word i'm looking for these three analogies to help us to understand the importance of our words the first analogy he gives us is the analogy of a bridle in the mouth of a horse or a bit in the horse in the mouth of a horse you guys know what a bit is it's this metal piece of it's this piece of metal that goes into a horse's mouth And it has a shank in the middle of it, or sometimes it's a straight bar with like a bump in the middle of it. And it's attached to a bridle that goes around the horse's head, which is attached to reins. And it's with this that you're able to control the direction of a horse. I know a little bit about this because when I was growing up, I actually had some horses. At one point, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a rodeo cowboy. may not know that looking at me today, but I did. I wanted to be a team roper. And so I actually had this horse. I got it when it was about a year and a half years old. And I was training this horse that had come off the racetrack to be a team roping horse. And I was 12, 13 years old. I probably weighed 85, maybe 90 pounds soaking wet. And yet I was able within a year to train this horse to be a roping horse. It became a really great roping horse. And I was able to do that, not because I outpowered the horse, because I could never do that. Horse weighs 1,000 pounds. It was because I had a tender spot whereby which I could control and bend the will of this powerful animal to my will. Listen, here's what you need to understand. You are a significant person to God. And there's a power to your life. God has a call for you and a purpose for your life and a plan for your life that is to do something significant. But in order for you to do that, you need to submit to God's ways and allow Him, allow your will to be bent To where he wants to take you and and a great way for you to do that is through your words it's through your words that you begin to move in the direction god wants to take you and you know a a horse outside of an owner outside of its purpose is really purposeless like maybe you've seen those you know shirts at like the fair before and they have like a horse like standing on a cliff with its mane blowing in the wind you know you guys know this it's like standing there looking all regal and there's a moon behind it with like a a wolf howling and we see that and we're like yes that's freedom the free stallion roaming the plains listen horses that are just free they're not in a good situation just so you know i know a little bit about horses and horses are very fragile animals even though they're very strong the the nature of how their legs are they're very fragile and their feet and their hooves especially They need horseshoes. like They need that. It helps them. They need to be brought under control. They need to be submitted to a master who directs them in a purpose. Outside of that, it's a very dangerous place for them to live. In the same way, listen, you outside of God's purpose for your life, outside of being submitted to God's ways, it's a a dangerous place. And when your words are not submitted to God's ways, it can lead you to a lot of disaster. Words are a big deal. And maybe you find yourself today in a direction or in a place you don't really want to be. Maybe it's because your words have just been flying freely and living freely and it's taking you to a dangerous place. You with me this morning? Words are a big deal. The second analogy James gives us is the rudder on a ship. I remember seeing this. This, uh, this, this kind of show a few years ago where they had this lady that was doing this interview on this battleship and she was kind of giving a tour of this battleship and showing how the battleship worked. And I remember when she got into like the cockpit of this ship, she was showing how you steer this ship, and it was amazing to see. Like, you know, you kind of think they're gonna have one of those big wheel things that they kind of twist around, but they don't have that. Like these modern-day ships today are controlled by just like a little joystick. It's like this tiny little thing, and it's all computerized, and and these battleships that are like the size of a Las Vegas hotel are controlled by this little, this little control that controls a rudder on the back of that ship. And the direction of that powerful ship is determined by that rudder. In the same way, listen, the direction of your life is determined by the words that you're saying. Yes. Words are a big deal. And when you face a storm, especially, your words are a big deal. I remember reading one time about this, this captain was talking about how when you're in a storm, it's one of the most important times for a captain to know how to steer the ship. Because in a storm, there are waves that want to overwhelm that ship. And there are currents that want to pull that ship off course. And so it's important that you point the ship in the right direction. You point the ship with the rudder in the right direction so that you can take on the storm and face the storm the right way. Listen, when you face storms, and you're going to face storms in life, you're going to face trials in life, you're going to face tests in life. It's important that your rudder, this little, this little thing, your mouth is pointing you in the right direction or else you're going to get overwhelmed by stuff. Some of you, you're getting overwhelmed by stuff, and your marriage is getting overwhelmed, and and raising your kids it's getting overwhelmed because you're not pointing yourself in the right direction with your words. But it's not just important in the storm. It's also important just when everything's good to be going in the right direction, amen? You know, if you were to go out on the lake on a beautiful day, peaceful day, and you were say, I'm going to go rent a little sailboat and take it out so you rent yourself a little sailboat and you raise up the sails and you get out there on the water, but you don't have a rudder. You don't have any way of steering that ship in the direction you want to take it. You're just at the mercy of where the waves take you, where the currents take you, where the, where the wind may take you. You're not going to enjoy it. Even though it may be a beautiful day, you're not going to really have a whole lot of fun out there because you're just at the mercy of the circumstances. And those circumstances eventually are going to lead you To a crash, they're going to lead you to go to to crash into the rocks and and dangerous things. Listen, in the same way, in our life, if we're not steering the direction of our life with our words, we're just at the mercy of whatever situations may try to come against us. It's important that we control our words. It's important that we recognize the power of our words. And the, the third analogy that James gives us is the analogy of a fire, a fire. You know, fire is a nice thing, under control. Like a fire in your house on a cold day, really nice, you know? Warm you up, create a pleasant little atmosphere. You light a candle, you can, it can put off a nice fragrance. Uh, it can even burn up stuff that you don't want laying around. Now, we've been doing this at our house the last several days. We've got a lot of trees on our property, and these trees tend to shed And so limbs and all sorts of tree parts fall all over the place. And so we collect all this dead fall and we cut it up and we put it into these burn barrels and we burn it away because we don't want all that dead stuff lying around. It's with fire that we can burn up stuff that's dead. So fire in the right setting can be really great. But in the wrong setting, it can be very dangerous. Out of control, it can cause a lot of damage. I was reading recently about the largest fire in California history, burned up 410,000 acres, 410, did millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. And they, they, they figured out what started this fire. This group of campers was setting up their campsite and they, they, they were setting up this tent and this guy was driving some tent pegs into the ground and his metal hammer hit this metal tent peg and caused a spark to shoot off, which caused this fire that burned up 410,000 acres and did $300 million worth of damage from a little spark. Here's the point. Words, they may not seem that significant, but they can do a lot of damage. And I bet if if I was to go around this room and talk to some of you, there's some of you in here that have had some moments in your life where there were little statements that were just kind of thrown out to you little things that were said. It may have felt like a little spark to that person who spoke it, but it's marked you. And you you, you tend to go back to that moment. You recite that moment of that word that was said over you, that person who told you that you would never amount to anything, that they wish you'd never been born, that person who said that statement to you as they walked out of the door of your life and how it's just continually been with you. There's probably also some of you in here that, If I was to go around the room, you could remind me of times in your life when somebody said something and it may have been a small little statement, but boy, it just built courage into you. It helped you believe that you could do something that maybe you didn't think you could do before. My point is this, words are sneaky strong. There's a strength behind the words that we're saying that directs us and can create fires and can create either good things or bad things in our life. And so we need to take notice and 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 pay attention to the words we're saying right. you're going back to the, that concept of a fire like imagine some of you you find yourself in in times and in places where you're going I, I just don't understand why the world just seems to keep burning up all around me like I feel like there's always just stuff going on around me and imagine if you saw somebody and they were walking down a path and they're just walking down a path and behind them there's all this this burnt-up stuff, and there's fires and all this damage and carnage behind them. And so you walk up beside this person, and they're walking along going, I just don't get it why all these fires just keep, seem to just keep popping up all around me. And the whole time they're talking to you, they're just lighting matches and throwing them over their shoulder kind of willy-nilly. What are you going to do? You're going to say, hey, dude, quit flicking matches. You don't want everything burning up around you. Quit just letting this stuff fly. Listen, some of you need to really pay attention because these words that you're saying are sneaky strong and they're causing damage and they're, they're burning up stuff around you and you got to pay attention. Words are sneaky strong. The second thing that James teaches us is that words can corrupt you. Words can corrupt you. Look at this, James chapter 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. This verse tells us that, that, that our words can defile the whole body. That word defile there means they can corrupt you. That What words can do, whether you recognize this or not, is words can actually cause you to see God the wrong way. They'll cause you to see people the wrong way. They'll cause you to see circumstances the wrong way. Boy, it is quiet up in New Song Church this morning. I'm talking about words and nobody's talking back to me today. You guys can say amen, that's good. Pay attention. I mean, get get in this with me. Right, I don't want to preach to a video screen. Like I'm glad you guys are here, but I don't want you guys talking to me, okay? You with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Words are a big deal. And, and so this verse tells us they can corrupt us. And it's it's interesting because. Science and medicine is actually discovering that what God's Word has been saying for a thousand years is true. That words are a big deal. And that actually when you say things, you're creating pathways in your life that either connect you to people or push you away from people. Uh, that when you speak, your brain listens to what your mouth is saying. And there are pathways and synapses and stuff like that that are produced. And when you, when you talk about somebody in a bad way, When you gripe about somebody, complain about somebody, there's actually things in your brain that teach you to to distance yourself from that person. But when you talk about somebody in a positive way and you thank them, there's actually stuff that drives you closer to that person. Let me read you this, it says this, study said, your brain is paying attention to what your mouth is saying. When you start looking for and speaking about things to be grateful for, check this out, your brain starts looking for more things to be grateful for and it creates a virtuous cycle where you see what's right instead of what's wrong. But when you complain, your brain starts looking for more things to complain about and it creates a negative cycle Where you see what's wrong instead of what's right. Wow. So a great example of this in the Bible is the children of Israel. You guys remember them, right? For 400 years, they're in captivity. They're slaves. They are living a life they don't want to live. And there have been generations of people who have have been born and they have died in slavery. And then one day God comes along and he frees these people from their slavery. And it's amazing. Like you guys, the 10 plagues, like it's amazing. It's not just like all of a sudden it just kind of works out. Like God shows up and does something unbelievable to bring these people out of their slavery. And then they get out of Egyptian captivity and they cross the Red Sea. By the way, once again, pretty cool. God parts this massive body of water so they can walk across it and then causes it to crash down on their enemies. After that, he leads them. He leads them by a, a, a pillar at night, a fire by night, which which actually warms them in the cold of the, of the night and, and a cloud by day, which shades them from the heat of the sun and then provides this stuff called manna, which feeds them and supplies them that just shows up every day. It's, I mean, God is just showing up, showing out, taking care of them and in the middle of that you read the bible and you find these people complaining and it's crazy and as they're complaining here's what happens as they complain they begin to because they're complaining there's a wedge driven between them and god and they begin to start seeing god the wrong way they start seeing their circumstances the wrong way and their problems become bigger than their god So in Numbers 13, they show up in the promised land, the land that God has promised to give them, the land that he has freed them uh, from slavery to bring them to. They show up at that land and they send these 12 spies in to check it out and 10 of them come back with a negative report. Or let me say it like this, 10 of them have a negative confession based on what they see. So they come back and they say, there's giants in the land, there's a lot of problems, there's a lot of things that are, that are significant, and they're so focused on the problems, and because they've been complaining, griping, they don't see God the right way, their problems become big, their faith is in their fear, and so they get their fear, and they say, we can't take the land. But there's these two guys, one of which is named Caleb, who come back and he sees something completely different. And it's not that he sees something different with his eyes. It's that he sees something different because his eyes are focused on his God. And it says this in Numbers 13 verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. Now he saw the same thing as the other ten spies. But he sees it in a different way. Let us take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Why are they well able? Because his eyes are fixed on God because he hasn't been complaining and griping about God. He's close to God. He's seen the faithfulness of God. And so he remains focused on them and his faith is on God instead of his faith being in fear on the problems. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I want to be a person from this story, I don't want to be the 10 spies. I don't want to be the people that are just complaining and griping and finding reasons why we can believe that God isn't going to show up in the middle of my problem. I want to be the person that reminds myself of the bigness of my God in spite of my circumstances, that reminds myself that God has been faithful and He will continue to be faithful. And so my eyes are fixed on Him looking to Him. Yes. Listen, here's the point. Words can corrupt you. These words that you're speaking may be driving a wedge between you and your great God. So get this, you can't just speak freely you don't have permission to just speak freely. You don't have permission to just say whatever you want to say, to just let it fly. Well, I'm such a loser. I'll never amount to anything. Oh, COVID's hitting. Well, this is obviously going to hit me because if it's going to hit anybody, it's going to be me. Oh, it's flu season. Well, I'm going to get the flu because I always get the flu. Well, my mom had breast cancer and my my grandma had breast cancer. So I'm going to get breast cancer. It's just just the way it is. And I'm such a loser and I'll never amount to anything. And I'm ugly. And what we just, sometimes we just talk and we say stuff and Listen, you got to be quiet. Pay attention. Because these words, they can be corrupting you. They can be separating you from the promises of God, the truths of God, and God Himself. Pay attention. Words can corrupt you. Here's the third thing we see. James teaches us. He says that words are untamable by you. Look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no man, or really no, no person, it actually means no human, so no man, no woman, no person, can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So get this. No, no human, no person, no man, no woman, on their own, can tame the tongue. You can't do this on your own. But God, right? But God can help you to bring your words Under control. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 12. He says this in verse 11. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Look at this, verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit. Jesus taught us in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is our helper, He is one who is very much in the nature of Jesus that's here with us to walk alongside us in life and to help us and to lead us and guide us in all truth. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to do this is he wants to help you control your words. He wants to help you to know what to say and when to say it. And he wants to help you know what not to say and when not to say it. Husbands, can I get an amen? Amen. We need help in this area. And so we have the ultimate helper we have the holy spirit to help us in this area and i'll show you in a minute how we partner with the holy spirit so that he can help us in this area but let's look at this fourth fourth point before we go there look at verse 9 james 3 verse 9 with it with our words with our tongue we bless our god and father and with it we curse men who have been made in similitude or in the likeness of god out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevines, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Here, here's what we see here. Words are double-sided. Words are double-sided. Your words produce. Whether you recognize it or not, your words are producing in your life. And your words, here's what's amazing about your words, is your words can produce something that's, that's actually very unnatural for most natural things. What James says is that there's no tree that can bear two different kinds of fruit on it. There's no, there's no spring or no body of water that can produce both salt water and fresh water from the same body. Like, that's not normal. But your words can produce two things that are the opposite, blessing and cursing, or like we said earlier, life and Death. And so what God wants you to do is he wants you to learn how to control the words that you're speaking, submit them to his plan and his word so that with your words, you can speak life and blessing over yourself and over the world around you. Deuteronomy 30 says it like this, verse 19, God talking, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. It's been set before us. You've been you have this is set before you with the words that you speak. And it seems like it would be a very easy multiple you know choice thing to answer here, but we struggle with it. And so God even gives us the answer. He says, Therefore, choose life. <laughs> because he knows, like they don't have a good track record of this. <laughs> so let me give you the answer. Choose life. So I'm telling you this morning with your words: choose life. Yeah. God's place before you. Life and death, blessing and cursing, you have the option. And so what are you going to choose? What are you going to agree with? Are you going to agree with life or are you going to agree with death? There's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is that spiritual warfare is real. There is a real devil who really hates you and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And one of the ways he does it is he wants to try to come against your mind and your thoughts and he wants to plant stuff inside your head and here's what he really wants to get you to do he wants you to agree with what he's saying in your mind and speak it out of your mouth because he knows if he can get you to do that he can steer your powerful life in the wrong direction he can cause you to cause all kinds of chaos and and make all sorts of fires take place around you that burn up you and burn up everything around you he knows he can get you going in the wrong direction and overwhelm you with storms and trials and problems. He knows if he can just get in your mouth, he can do a lot of destruction to you. So he wants to occupy your mouth. That's some bad news. Some of you are letting him. But here's some good news. God also wants to occupy your mouth. And he wants to fill your mouth with the promises of God, with the word of truth, with life, so that you can produce good things in your marriage, in your family, in your home, so He can steer you in the right direction so that when the storms of life come against you, you can overwhelm those storms instead of being overwhelmed by those storms. That's good news. God wants to occupy your mouth. So what do we need to do? Here's what you do. You submit it. You submit your tongue. That red rebel in your mouth. Grab your tongue. Say, I submit this thing. (laughs) We submit our tongue to the Lord. That's my fifth point. Submit your words to God's word and begin to purpose that you are going to speak and agree with what God's word says. Why? Because God's word is life. We're choosing life. We're choosing blessing. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 3.1 The words of God giveth life. Proverbs 4.22 Talking about God's word. Talking about the Bible. For they, God's words, are life to those who find them. Notice you've got to find them you got to dig into the word and see what it says about your situation and health to one's whole body. Jesus said this in John six sixty three. the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So actually, it's really simple, guys. The word of God is life. So if you want to choose life, you have to choose to submit your words to God's word. And 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 to choose to say I'm going to agree with God with what God's word says, and if it doesn't agree with what God's word says, I ain't gonna say it. I'm not gonna speak it because it's death and it's curse. You guys tracking with me? Um, Let me give you an acronym this morning to kind of help you with this. Okay, some of you related to your words, you need to learn how to wait, wait, W A I T. You need to learn this. Why am I talking? (laughs) You start asking yourself, why am I talking? Why am I getting ready to say what I'm getting ready to say? Why, listen, why am I getting ready to post what I'm getting ready to post? Why am I talking? And is what I'm saying, does it agree with God's word and God's will, or does it not? Is what I'm getting ready to say, why am I talking? Is what I'm getting ready to say, is it going to cause confusion? You know what the Bible says the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion so listen if God is not the author of confusion then we know who is it's the devil my question is are you saying stuff are you posting stuff that causes confusion because if you are you're agreeing with the wrong team it's getting quiet up in this church why am I talking is what I'm talking is it going to discourage somebody else Is it necessary? Is this really needed? Do they really need to hear my opinion? Why am I talking? And maybe you need to talk, but maybe you just need to ask yourself the question. Pray, take a moment, step back, breathe a little bit. (laughs) Calm down before you just say or spew whatever it is that's coming out of your mouth. Why am I talking? Is what I'm saying honoring? Is it honoring? You know, God places all authority in place. That's what the Bible says. Am I honoring the authority God's placed above me with what I'm getting ready to say? Why am I talking? Ooh, got real quiet on that one. Why am I talking? Is what I'm getting ready to say, is it constructive or destructive? Why am I talking? Now, I tell our staff something, and this is some of you need to, need to learn this this morning. I, I tell them, when you have a problem, you need to speak up. And when I say speak up, I don't just mean you just need to start talking. You need to speak up. You talk to someone who is above you that can actually do something about it. Because if you're just talking horizontally or if you're just talking down to people at either at your level or below you, a lot of times, listen, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, it's just gossip. It's just gossip. Why am I talking? I hope I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shaking you a little bit. I want to. You need this because your words are a big deal. Your words are powerful. In fact, your words are a weapon that God has given you. Nothing else in this, in this world can do what a person made in the image of God can do. Nothing else can communicate like we can. You say, well, Pastor Josh, dolphins can communicate. <laughs> Their little clicking sound is not real communication, Okay. They may be able to click around and say there's some fish over here, you know, in their little instinct ways, but they ain't talking. They're not having a conversation, okay? Whales go, Ugh, that's not a conversation. <laughs> Nobody can do what you can do. You, made in the image of God, can align your words with God's word and like God did, when he created this world with his words, you can begin to create your world with the words that you're speaking. That's a good place to say amen this morning. It's a powerful gift you've been given. Je- Jesus showed us that our words are a weapon. Remember when Jesus was being tempted? He's in the wilderness. He's been, he hasn't eaten for days. And the devil comes against him with trials and tests and temptation. It's in that moment Jesus doesn't go, Stop. This is annoying. I'm hungry. Leave me alone. And he doesn't do that. What does he do? He says it is written. He reminds the enemy of the word. Jesus did that. Yeah. It is written. It is written. It is written three times. He runs off the enemy and his attacks against him with the word of God. If it was good enough for Jesus, God be good enough for you. Yeah. See, the Bible teaches us this in Ephesians six. It says that we're to put on the whole armor of God. Remember that that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil's the devil's wiling out. He's coming against you. He's wiling out on you. He's going to come against you with things to try to overwhelm you. So you've got to put on this armor. And then the Bible says you're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the word for the word word is the word Rama, which means the spoken Word of God uttered by a voice. So when you take up the the word of God spoken out of your mouth, uttered by your voice, it becomes a weapon against the enemy of your life to run him off in his attacks against you. Once again, I should be getting a good amen right now. Hebrews 4.12 says this about the word of God. It says this, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive. Somebody say, "It's it's alive. It's alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That, that, those words two-edged sword there actually literally means two-mouthed sword. One of the mouths of the edge of that sword was the mouth of God when it was spoken into existence. And the other mouth of that sword is taken up when you begin to agree and put faith in it and take up that sword and begin to utter it out of your mouth and speak in agreement with what the word of God says. Here's what I want you to see this morning. This is so powerful. God has said so that we can boldly say. God has spoken so that you can boldly say and agree with what He says. So often, guys, so often, we just start to agree with the problem. We talk about the problem. Well, the problem with my finances, the problem with my health, the problem with the government, the problem with politics, the problem, the problem, the problem. We post about the problem. We talk about the problem. And what we don't realize we're doing is we actually glorify the power of the problem in our life. And we sabotage ourselves. And when it's time for us to put our faith in God, we don't have any faith in God because our faith has been built in the problem. And so instead of just talking about the problem, you start talking about the solution. And listen, the solution is found in the word of God. You got to dig into the word of God. See what it says. What does it say about your problem? What does the Bible say about your problem? You're struggling in your finances. Do you know what the Word of God says about your finances? I, I'm never going to be able to pay these bills. I just I, I can't. I don't know what we're going to do. We're, I don't know what we're going to do. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, My God will supply all my needs, all my needs, according to His riches and glory. He's got lots of riches, and He wants to be glorified through your life and what He does in your life. Are you giving Him a chance? Are you just speaking the problem or are you speaking the solution? What does God say about, what's God's word say about your health? I don't care what your family history looks like. I don't care what generations have looked like. What does God's word say? God's word says with long life will he satisfy you. God's Word says that Jesus took stripes on His back so that you could be healed. God's Word says that that the Word is life to those who find it and health to their flesh. Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what? In heaven, you ain't going to be sick. In heaven, breast cancer ain't going to be a part of your family's history. In heaven, you're not going to have a heart attack. Ain't going to happen in heaven. So why do we settle for it here? So, Lord, I thank you that I I agree. My faith is in your word. My faith is in your promises. I focus on the truth of the life of your word of God in this situation. And I speak your life over my my health. I thank you that with long life, you will satisfy me. That by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And I thank you that these sicknesses and plagues that have cursed my family will not touch my family. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Amen. Know God's Word and speak it over your life. Get in the Word. Find the truths and the promises that are found in the Word. Don't use your words to just describe your situation. Use your words. Use God's Word to define your situation. Listen, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Life and death are under the control, under the power of your words. So choose life. Choose the Word. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?